Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Let's Talk and I'm Amina Bell. Today I want to welcome a special guest onto the show, one of my favorite people, my Nana. Hey Nana. Hi. So I actually brought you on the show because I think you're awesome and you have a lot to offer. Um, You're not old as dirt to where you don't have your wits about you, (laughs) but you're also um, seasoned enough to have had grown up in a different time period and um, saw some really cool things happen in your lifetime. So I kind of want to have like a then versus now addition to the Let's Talk show and I want to get your opinion on a couple different topics but when I say then versus now I don't want you to think about it as like um, a competition or we're trying to get to an end goal of what's better like the old school or the new school Mm -hmm. I really just think that because you have such a really fine balance between both um, the versus is kind of more so what's different or what might be the same but just like um, you know basically comparing but not competing okay so let's talk about music. How do you feel about music back when you were growing up and in your um, early adulthood versus now and the millennial music um, and some of maybe like um, not necessarily millennial, excuse me, millennial, but music from younger generations compared to yours like um, 80s rap, 90s rap, things of that nature? Well, I don't know because I can take it back farther than that and because... I've always listened to music Mm -hmm. and different genres. So, you know, there's a a lot of music that I like. But growing up as a child, I listened to music that some millennials aren't familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up listening to, um, of course, Motown and all that. But I also listened to my parents' music. So I listened to Mm. Gloria Lynn and Ray Charles and Nina Simone. um, You know, Thelonious Monk, Miles Davis. Wow. And that was at an early age. So musically, you know, music is music. You like it, you don't. But <clears throat> I love rap music. You know, I wanted to That's what I people. see. That's <laughs> what I wanted you to talk about. Yeah, you know, I know I wanted a few <laughs> older people and I'm 65 that does. But mainly because my children were coming of age mm-hmm. when rap music was coming into fruition. All right. You know, so I had to listen to it because they were listening to it. And in the beginning, it was very powerful. And that's not to say that it isn't now, but in the very beginning, it was very, very powerful. Um, It was very focused. It had a lot of meaning. Mm -hmm. And then um, things always change, Mm -hmm. you know, but there have been great rap artists. And I think there always will be because it's the spoken word. And the spoken word isn't anything new. That's true, too. Mm -hmm. when I was young, called the last poets. Now, people could compare them to rap artists, but it, you know, it was the spoken word. And for people of color, the spoken word has always been very powerful for us. That's very true. You know, because people of color always have to speak to injustice. So, absolutely, but everyone doesn't speak the same. But That's you have what to I listen to, to the message about. because mm-hmm. there's always a message. You, you know, I like gangster rap, and you know, old people think I'm right, out so of my mind. <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off, but give me two gangster rap artists that you like. You know, I love Rick Ross. You love Rick Ross. I, love I Rick do Ross. know you love Rick you Ross. Know, to the limit is my my go to work music, course. <laughs> you know, and every day I'm hustling, mm-hmm. and every day I'm hustling. I'm sure is a little harder for some people. You know. Mm-hmm. 
It's but, because um, it's talking about um on one hand it's talking about, you know, dealing drugs, but on another hand it's about living every day. Yep. And it's a hustle. It and, and it you know, arguably life is a bit more interesting for people of color. Mm-hmm. It's racism, it is what it is. And there are many isms in this rung of isms. It is you know, it's true. Black as well. folks just on the bottom. You know, we we're what gets stepped on when everybody steps off the ladder. Okay. And it's, you know, life is wonderful and glorious and all that, but it's difficult, too, mm-hmm. every day. From the very rich to the very poor, it's always something. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's a bit more than others, but, you know, we live in a country that wants you to function at, at a level of psychosis that's, you know... Hmm. <laughs> Talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know... It's crazy, you it's know... It's very crazy, and you... you... I think that... With the music, like you say, there's a message and everything. Everything. And I agree with that. And I think that you're a person who has a really, really um, strong ability to decipher that message. Not even um, just the surface message. You right. know what I mean? So, well, how- you know, the, the funny thing was, and speaking of music, because you know, our hero, my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got her to listen to KRS-One. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I think that she could listen to KRS-One is because she understood the metaphor. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always say about hip-hop. If you understand the metaphor and can listen for the metaphor, then you can understand it. That's true. And when I sat her down one night and played um, krs and she said, wow, you know, you know my mom, he says it differently. Mm-hmm. But I understand what he's saying, you know, because she was always the consummate English educator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... You learn to listen. I think coming from the 60s and the 70s, mm-hmm. you learn to listen because music really exploded then. You know, I oh, think I was true. very lucky to be able to listen to so much music on so many different levels. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I heard um, the Chicago Transit Authority. Chicago Transit Authority. Yeah, you know, okay. this was rock. You know, I love rock and roll. I was, I was you know, getting ready to say, I, I that sounds like dude, rock. You know. mm-hmm. Um. I got to go to Woodstock. You said rock on, dude. Yeah, Nana, so <laughs> do you know, like, do you remember Woodstock at all? <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was fun, but it was too much fun. Was Woodstock a festival? Is it that was a festival. A music festival. Yeah, on a farm. Oh, so is it like, York, um, is it like today's Coachella? Like, but Coachella's watered down, I hear, right? Yeah. Okay. It, you know, the thing about Woodstock is, I guess it was a first Mm-hmm. And it was so ambitious and so much to do and everybody came and and I think maybe the biggest thing about Woodstock is there wasn't a lot of technology. Right. You know, now you can really make your events global. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to hitch a ride, do this and people really came from everywhere. Wow. You know, that could for that event. Can you imagine seeing, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Richie Havens and it was, it was crazy. That is crazy. It was crazy. Especially like you said in a time where technology wasn't um, yeah, prevalent it was, really. But so, it, was just, it was a lot of great music across the board and music crossed over a bit. Okay, and what do you, you know? mean? Well, because everybody well, okay, I think, let me, who, who, who crossed over successfully? And I don't like that term crossing over, but now, when you talk about crossing over, are you talking Being about... Being generally accepted by white audiences. When I grew up, that wasn't so. Okay, there so were, you're talking few, about brown you know, artists in, yeah. in particular right now. In particular. Okay. All right. You know, I, you know, I know I'm dating myself, but 
when I was little, and a little girl, I see this was before, maybe, up until about 16, because that was 1968, but when I was little, little, a lot of people used to come to our house, and you know, mommy and daddy always went to the clubs, and went mm-hmm. to the, you know, so black folks couldn't really stay in hotels then, Yeah, you know. So folks would come stay with folks. Mm-hmm. So word would get out that so-and-so was in town and everybody, you know, get to cooking and bringing something and meeting over somebody's house. And it'd just be a mild jam session going on. Okay. Know? And that's how a lot of that music started to be shared. And um, that's how the word got around yeah. in those days. And we, you know, we there was a lot of segregation. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, say it's a good thing, it's a bad thing. But I like the fact, I mean, I think I was one of the last generations of kids that grew up understanding a total black experience living in a black neighborhood mm-hmm. with people who worked and um had all kinds of professions and were and business owners had civic pride mm-hmm. you know this, the, the community and the neighborhood were really self-contained do you think i'm sorry to cut you off nana but do you think that that has something to do with the change in the music um segregation and the ability you know for us to kind of cohabitate do you think that changed the direction of our music well integration changed that because i guess at that particular time and point in the struggle Mm -hmm. the struggle is never ending you know people of course and because it's not just about a brown struggle there's a rich versus poor struggle and it's it's an inner self versus you know self-love and all Mm -hmm. those things so it's always a struggle um but yeah talking about living mm -hmm. I think some, well, children know it now, but a lot of children don't know what it is to grow up in a truly black neighborhood that's not the hood, as they like to say it. Mm. You know, um... A self-sustained neighborhood that are predominantly brown. Yeah, and you know, business owners. businesses. Mm -hmm. um, We used to go to this place called Twin Lakes when I was little in Pine Hills, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a lake. Mm-hmm. That black people owned, and you came and you swam, and they had a clubhouse nice. and all that. Did you know? It was just a lot of fun. It was used to go to um, Lawnside, New Jersey, some <laughs> of the best clubs ever. You know, when we were young, we used to sneak over there. But as you got older, because by the time I got older, mm-hmm. Lawnside, but they were the places where you saw black talent mm-hmm. because these were the place Atlantic City. Um, and oh, this I is back remember. when you were growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then in the 60s, you know, artists started to transition a little and do bigger venues. Okay. And, you know, white folks always came to Sam because, you know, white folks just love our music. Of course, yeah. Because our music is... It's everything. I mean, yeah, the, that's not even something the to debate. It's the motherland, so it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know? Everyone is influenced by it. That's not a that's question. Because we all share African mm-hmm. ancestors. And we all and share things with one another. Yeah. You know, globally, so, we all you share. Know, so, so. Used to, even... um. Like, I remember going to the Uptown. And okay, Uptown, what's the Uptown? It's a theater in North Philadelphia. All right. I saw Diana Ross, The Temptations. Wow. Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder. Wow. Um, you know, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Everybody came to the Uptown to perform. Okay. It was the coolest thing. But then, um, there was American Bandstand, which was predominantly white. You know, you didn't see too many Negro children on American Bandstand. No. It was Jerry Blavitt. But... Everybody likes soul music. So, Nana, this is kind of off the topic, but do you like Bobby Caldwell? <laughs> yeah, he's okay. Do you like the one song that everybody pretty much knows? Yeah, I for? like that one song. And, you, and you're and going to ask me, do I know that he's what? Uh, no, I 
already know, Nana. I mean, I know you know. That's what well, I'm see, trying to, to me, say. If you can sing, you, you can, can sing. sing. Mm-hmm. Singing is a gift from God, the universe, whatever it is you believe in. Mm-hmm. T- who sings better than Tina Marie? That's the thing on And there's this sister. You ain't lying. Back in the 60s and 70s. Oh, I can't think of the group. Just sang with this group called Cold Blood. Lydia Pence. Cold Blood. That sounds I'm play, tight. I'm going to play her song for you one day. Girl. Lydia Pence can sing. Yeah. See, and you know they're singing and they're singing. Now, I want to I wanna get your opinion on that. Because we're focusing on when you were coming up right now. And I, I'll ask you some questions about the new school pertaining to music um, in a bit. But um, is do you think, like, back then you were able to kind of rely on the beat as much as you are now for um, musicians, especially singers. Like, nowadays, people don't really have to necessarily know how to sing or sing or whatever you want to say no, they for don't. you to succeed. You want to, You are more so, um, can you sell an image or can you sell or something? Or can you sell a brand? Can you sell and a brand? But back then, what do you, do you think it was the same? You had to have it. You okay. had to have it. And you had to be able to bring it because all you had was yourself. Mm. And you had bands. You all don't have. Do you know mm, how much fun bands. it is to go see a band, especially a local band? Yeah. There used to be this band called Natural Soul Brothers LTD. Mm. And they used to perform at 52nd and Media at the old Adelphi Ballroom. Yeah. And we used to sneak and take Uncle Petey with us because he used to tell all his friends and he never He was too young. He was young. You know? <laughs> But this band was, so, I just didn't understand why they weren't, these brothers were so bad. I love a band. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have a little funk. Now, you're absolutely right. Like, um, I would go to an open mic. It's up in North Philly. And when they would back me up, it just felt, you felt the energy in the yeah. room. You felt the people yeah. vibe and those flu- instruments it's, hit you in your heart. It's you a know? flow. Mm-hmm. And I think through the 80s and the 90s, you know, when it got to be very selfish and me, 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 and make money and all that, which served, I mean, I guess it served a purpose. I still haven't figured out why or what yet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then it was branding. You know, and can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do, and I just want you to sing. Okay. So you had, you had, because what tickets cost now, you better do something. Yeah, I hear you. something cause, and a lot of people, you know, for well, a long time. Well, I think time, that, um, Oh, sorry, for a long time. A lot of people haven't had to perform. Right. There's not very many um, true uh, 100% all-out performers anymore. I think Beyonce does a good job of that, though. She does definitely have the talent, um, but more so the ability to just entertain. Well, I think they're... It's a thin line, though, because... If you're, it depends on what you're looking for, in my opinion. Today, millennials have shorter attention spans. You all really do have the attention spans of gnats. Yeah. Really you know what's so funny? When you say you all, I'm like, you can't be talking about me, but you are. Yeah. You because I look me. at you as my best friend. But I don't, you know, <laughs> see, people, they, they scream about millennials and young people. Mm-hmm. And my thought with this is, well, isn't this our fault? Aren't these our children and our grandchildren? So maybe instead of giving them everything that they wanted, mm-hmm. we should show them what they need. Okay. And coming from segregation to integration to, oh, you know, you can go live near Mass and shop in his stores. And, I mean, I'm glad that's kind of come not to a screeching halt, mm-hmm. but to a wake up, to understand, you know, 
SSDD. You know, that's an old saying, same shit, different day. <laughs> and it, it is. Are you cussing on my podcast? This oh, is a family podcast. <laughs> same stuff, different I'm day. Okay. <laughs> you know, because what? A lot of things have changed. That's true. And a lot of people have made strides and all that. But what's changed with the police? And the only thing Hi. to me. That's. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're talking about the police it. police is now you have social media. So you get to see what they do. You're still not going to do too much about it because you can't. Mm. You know, and so, that's the truth. And it's not to say that people aren't going to stop fighting and struggling. Because what is 65 years ago? I'm not sure. 70 years ago, there was segregation. So, you know, we're looking at injustice in the 400 years that we've been here. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Uh, And wait a minute now, because we... Humans haven't been here for 400 years. So, you're talking about brown people making the diaspora... Right. um, Okay. Okay. I'm speaking specifically to the black experience. Okay. Okay. And And are you doing... You're doing this right now. So, I want to know, are you doing this the whole time so our listeners can be understanding who you're talking to, when you're talking to? And right now, we're talking to brown folks. Yeah. and Or not to brown folks. Well, we're talking to everybody. Yeah, but, we're talking but, about know, brown folks. I'm speaking folk. to my experience. To your experience. Yeah, okay. It's just mine. You know, it's an opinion. Everybody has one. Of course. But, you know, the, the bad boat ride. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, it was the bad boat ride. Biggest, big, you know. Okay. So. Yeah. So, but then people survive. A lot of people died. Absolutely. But a lot of people also survived so that we could be here and move forward and get to this point. Mm-hmm. And everybody may not be happy with this point, and particularly millennials, because you all have the attention span of gnats. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand globally, you don't understand cosmically, because if the universe is what, six, seven billion years old, then what's 65 years in the greater span of the universe? What's 400 years? Mm-hmm. And and I'm sorry, no, no, I'm going to be one of the millennials. Um, the universe are... is not 67 billion years old. The Earth is 67 billion oh, yeah, years old. And the universe is billion years old. So, yes, yeah, so I just want to be Close. that snooty patootie right quick. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm off by a billion or two. Okay. <laughs> but no, you're saying. But thinking like that, what's 400 years, what's 65 years? Right, and I think that one thing we can work on um, as millennials in a generation we can work harder to understand the concepts of time and understand that there aren't always instantaneous solutions Absolutely. to problems. Absolutely. Do you think that, because I do want to just touch on the music um, one last time before we veer off, do you think that musically millennial artists um, are doing their job as, you know, and artists upholding their responsibility, I should say, Sending a message to not just brown folk, but any people in need of a message. Those who are in need, excuse me, to stand up for themselves. Those in need to educate themselves. Do you think we do a good job of sending those messages? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in spite of the fact that, you know... The bottom line is this is all about money. Make that money. Get that money and all that. But I think people... Today in 2018, mm-hmm. have come to realize no matter how much you say, oh, it's BS or whatever, money isn't everything. Because if mm-hmm. money's everything, then why are rich people so damn crazy? That's true. You know, because they just get batshit crazy, especially old white men. They have all the money and they haven't been right since they got here. That's Listen. another day, another conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, 
And for me, I guess it's different for me because I've been fortunate. And I, I, don't, I don't want this to sound wrong. But to have had the experience of being well-loved. Okay. You know, I mean, people who love me and all that. But I really, you know that. Yeah, I you know, know exactly you know, what you're talking in about. In spite mm-hmm. of circumstances, whatever, tragedy, trials, tribulation, and argument, some people have more. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a, you know, I had two parents. Yeah. You know, two parents who loved me. Two parents who loved each other. Mm-hmm. You know, mommy and daddy, and it wasn't easy. No. There's nothing, you know, my, my father was a recovering alcoholic. I never thought he'd stop drinking. He did. And yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. You know, and lived, you know, a little while after that. But it always amazed me how much they loved each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mommy and daddy were funny, especially when they weren't talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were funny. I'd go over there and you'd tell your mother. Well, tell your father, because you know my mother. Is that how they would do? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're That's not talking. So I go in the kitchen. They said, "Well, tell your mother she wants to go to King of Prussia. We can leave in a little while." I'm not talking. You tell your father. Excuse me. I didn't come over here to, to narrate all afternoon. Listen, listen. Know? But you know, it's like that sometimes. But you know, when when <laughs> when Daddy got sick, and the hospice nurse came to see us. And I don't know if you remember that because we were all over there. But you were little. But the, mm-hmm. she came to see us. You know, right before I, Daddy. I do remember the family being gathered. Yeah. I won't say I remember. Mm-hmm every detail but I remember the family being gathered and I remember the energy of the family and you know you know everybody has to face leaving the planet because that's just what we do here on mm-hmm. earth and um somebody told me after daddy passed you know the night before daddy passed and we were all over here I swear it must have been about 21 of us in that in over the air core mm-hmm. and mommy sent everybody home and we were like mommy you sure you know she's like you know I'm good I'm good I'm good and a friend of mine told me later on, they said, you know, maybe your father just wanted to be with the person that he had loved forever when he left this earth. Yeah. And I thought about that, you know. And I think that must be so cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, you have to go alone because you come in alone, you go alone. But to be able but, to have your last moments in yeah, this lifetime you know, with someone, that is time. beautiful. You do know, you think we have that as millennials, that opportunity? Those I think same- people do. I think, um... Let's talk, let's talk about romance, because you didn't, you completely went off of my question, as you love to do, uh, with any of my questions <laughs> about the music. So, the music is over. Let's talk about the romance. Um, well, think of the music we had growing up. We had love songs. That's true. Now we have, like, lust songs. <laughs> it, how many drinks do it take till I get with you? And something think, like that. I think, well, I think something... <laughs> and... Mm. No, no, okay. What you gonna say? First off, Nana, let's. I, I'm gonna apologize to any uh, listeners that Nana offends in the process of this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, oh no, she gonna the lady gonna speak her mind though. Yeah, but what do you have to say, Nana? What are you thinking? Cause y'all love to tell people you're grown. You oh God! Show me them bills, honey. What can I, I can't. And most people screaming, hollering, "I'm grown! I'm grown!" Can't show a bill to date. Mm-hmm. Can't show that that's, that's why, why screaming, I keep my mouth shut. You know about your bill, so you don't ain't no, yeah, you know you might be behind or yeah. coming up on it. <laughs> something going on. Yes, indeed. But I'm one of the things I love about the past couple of generations is you're a bit fearless. Okay. And I like that. You you know, um, you've redefined failure. 
Because hmm. failure was, was never an option. And now people have really come to understand if you, you don't fail, you have to try. Mm-hmm. You know, because nothing just ba-boom works like that. And do you think, so. because Nana, we're talking about the romance here. So do you think that redefining failure, um, it helps to see what I'm trying to say is if you don't look at someone as oh, you didn't achieve this by this time or what have you, mm-hmm. you think that opens opportunities for people to still be in love regardless of financial, yeah. you know, whereabouts yeah. or... Yeah, I talk about not a whereabouts. Loser, you know, um, but... No, of course not a straight yeah, loser. You know, I mean, you know, everybody has to bring something to the table. But I do understand when you were coming up, it was a certain standard that you did have to meet by a certain age, and that may have even included having children oh, or being married. You know what I mean? It's, it's the funny. You think thing marriage you know. and that outlook and things of that nature are different now? No, because see, because what do you think? Women play too many games. Who? Hallelujah! Say it again. Because most girls. <laughs> want to get married mm-hmm. you know most girls are cinderella and you you know you can be independent then and then and then mm-hmm. all of that but everybody wants somebody to love them and it takes mm-hmm. you a while to realize for somebody to love you you have to love yourself now we oh have, wow that's um, that's deep mm-hmm. but you know we have a lot to overcome we have we have a couple of generations of children who practically raise themselves yes you know because Mm-hmm. Millennials are a group that have had maybe even parents and grandparents that have been on drugs. Who have been? I was going to say Who've that, been on drugs or have had some other hardships, hardships um, um, debilitating them from you know being able to take care of their well, parental responsibilities. One of the things, one of the things that it? black folks are coming to see now is that we can't hide from stuff, right? You know, and being black in America and in in 2018 there's definitely a level of psychosis attached to that the fact that you get up every morning put both your feet on the floor and not drool it you know because it's so much to bear it is and i it's so much you know it's so much to bear every single day um i think that makes us closer not that you and your generation haven't been close in love but i think that because of the climate of today in this day and age, um, millennials, they have an opportunity, whether they take it or not, it's still up to the individual, but they have an opportunity to make strong, life-lasting connections mm-hmm. that really mean something, yeah. um, depending on what you stand for and what your message is or what you you know believe in. You can really connect with a like-minded person mm-hmm. on a greater level, and, and I can, think you can do it globally. That's I was not. Nah, nah, I was just really about to have, say that. Yeah, that you have the chance to like connect with six billion people. It's, Isn't it's that amazing. awesome? It's, oh, you know I love the technology. Technology. You I, are a tech kid, Nana. Nah, yeah. You know, you, I tell you, you know, when I was little, I watched the Flintstones. I watched the Jetsons. I wanted the flying cars, but I wanted it all. You know, so push, push the button. So, do you have go. a social media, Nana? Yes. You know, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, you know I'm on Twitter, and you know I'm on Facebook. That's enough. That okay? So you don't have a Snapchat? No, because Gunner worried me to death all day long. Why you don't want a Snapchat, Mama? I don't want to look at you. I see you every day, <laughs> and I love you. What if you always, you know, stop being so newsy? Stay in your lane and fix your mess. So is that one thing about technology that you think could be improved? Technology is not your friend, huh? It's and why you say that, Nana? Technology, my best friend. No, it's not. <laughs> it is, and it isn't. It's not your friend. And, you know, it doesn't have allegiance to you when things go south. No, you got to be careful what you put and up. A lot of people mm-hmm. 
You know, they still don't understand that when you press send, it goes around the universe once. I don't mean the world. I, you know I what, mean the fucking universe. I gotta be universe, honest and okay? say I gotta understand that too. You know, you have you to know? understand when you press send, it's... It's done. Know, it's so a done bun is what they say. But it's fun. It's a, you know, social media is a lot of fun because you can meet a lot of like-minded people. Now, people troll and all that need to get a life and all that, but that's mm-hmm. not my problem. That's yours, you know. But um, I think about just people in my family that I didn't know that you know, we have a that? whole family page and everything. It's, and when you were coming up, you would have to go funny. to, aren't they? They are so funny. So, no, go, let's go back to your family, though, and how you're able to connect with family members you never met because of technology today. Back when you were coming up, you would have to, what? What would you do to meet family as, other than just go going see to see them? Come see you, you know. And so, what, see. family reunions and stuff like that? Yeah. And wow. I didn't go. I didn't go. My experience is a little, you know, it's a little different because one, I didn't grow up in church. We're not gonna have that conversation because people. That's a different kind. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) But you know, but but the church is the backbone of the black community, and I wasn't a part of that. Okay. So you do you think that alienated you in a way? No, not really. But we just didn't. We didn't do that, and everybody else did on Sundays. We'd be, you know, outside playing and nobody else was outside because everybody else was in church. So that was their way of connecting with family members. People could do stuff on Sundays. You know, when I was little, stores were closed on Sunday. Okay. You all couldn't imagine that now, you know. No, that's not true. No, no, you can't say that because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Well, that's, and it should be. Because you need a day off. No, I I want Chick-fil-A every day. That's because you're greedy. (laughs) <laughs> well, I ain't going to contest that. And I understand. <laughs> you know, you had family dinner. And I think family dinner is very important. Okay. Even though we don't, you know. Do now, that okay, a lot. so you, you're talking about um, family dinner. Yeah. That was a big thing. We ate together every night. Wow. No, no, I couldn't. Like, no, I'm kidding. I would like to eat with my family every night. Yeah. But I think now with the, the fast paced lifestyle we all live absolutely and people travel more now that's true you know people travel an hour and you know two hours get to work you know people travel more it's it's different but i think children something's missing when you don't eat together i don't care what your family is because you know a family is a circle of people who love and care about that's true that's you know that's all that is so it's good that it's it's reinvented itself or however you want to call it because people get you know stuck in that it's mommy daddy i was a single parent i was Mm -hmm. divorced i was a single parent Mm -hmm. mom was a single parent you know um yeah so family is not necessarily those um blood connected to you those who you connect to um energetically well you know some of the people that i'm closest to aren't related to me my blood right but they are absolutely family really is your family yeah so when you were coming up nana was that different though like could you still choose your family or was it more structure and it was was it more like mom dad kids kind of thing because i mean that's how i grew up mom dad kids and everybody on my block was mom dad mom dad kids the odd thing out barely barely remember i told you barely said something so profound to me when she said you know um I'm what did she only, say? When she was talking about families and school, and she was saying she was the only one in her class of the girls that had two parents. Oh wow! No, you never told yeah. me that, Nana. Yeah, she was telling me. She said, "You know," she said, "It's just odd, Nana." I said, "Yeah, Billy, that really is odd because it was just the opposite for us. You know, um, mm-hmm. if your mom was a single, like a single woman, 
was considered problematic if she moved into a neighborhood. Yeah, now that yeah. I, I don't remember because yeah. I wasn't there, but I do know a little bit about mm-hmm. that part of it. And it's funny you say that because now, yeah, it's like um, reversed in a way. This people who have two parents in the home, um, especially living in inner city areas, because there are plenty of, you know, um, areas where there are mom, dad, kids kinds Mm -hmm. of families, but we're talking about inner city people now, if you have a mom and a dad, or two moms, two dads, whatever, if there's two parents in the home you're kind of looked at as like, um, different like, oh, well, you, or you might think that you might be looked at like you think you're better then because the norm has been having to do with not enough well, and glad, having enough I'm, now I'm, it's I'm like having too much you, and, and so am I Nana. Yeah, you, you, your family is your family and what I want to say as a young person I see a lot, a lot of my friends are married getting married mm-hmm. and I think that um, getting not even just married but Connecting with people on a deeper level has come back in the style. It's plenty of, you know, speed dating and, you know, this one and that one with whoever. Mm -hmm. But I think that learning a person and deciding to take a life journey with them is coming back. And it's helping to kind of bridge that gap and close those um, imbalances with our family dynamic. It's not happening. It's not all at once. But I'm noticing a trend that we... it's never, it's never at once, mm-hmm. but it is cyclical. Everything, and that's true. Through. And I think you know we've hold it up long enough. Mm-hmm. This time we like we're gonna all. I drop know you have, no, no. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously, we're gonna all drop dead to save sexually transmitted diseases in a minute. The rate oh is my spreading. gosh, Philadelphia has one of the highest STD rates in the country. It's, like, it's come on. crazy. And you know, listen. Wait, Nana. How old are you? Do you mind me asking? 65. Do you know 65-year-olds out here getting STDs? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's in the older communities. Well, it's, it's rampant in older communities. Because, see, okay, four, let me see, 65. Four, so, 45, that's 20 years ago, 30 mm-hmm. years ago. With, with the dawning of the crack epidemic, because mm-hmm. it's not a crisis, it was, you know, it's just, you know. It was just that's why I'm so over this whole opioid crisis. We'll talk about that another day, too. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so when the first when I used to work at a green thing at that car shop, you remember? I remember in the university square. So the first of the month would come, Mm -hmm. you know, and the old men, you know, had to have needs filled, so they'd go to the crack girls, you know, because the crack girls weren't real expensive, and um. And that's how that happened. Yeah, people need, you know, to get their money, do whatever, you know. But And some of this I blame on my generation, the baby boomers, because we really kind of pushed, you know, Pandora's box was always, the lid was always cracked a little bit. We Mm -hmm. just threw it open and like, you and wasn't such a good idea. (laughs) And do you, when you say that, are you talking about because of the 60s and 70s experimental drugs? um, phase and how y'all did everything under the sun. No, no. Have you done LSD before? Never mind. I'm not going to <laughs> So, the silence tells it all, folks. I'm but, uh... 
You really never know what I'm going to ask you now. Be prepared. No, I'm so but, um, prepared for you. And, and unprepared at the <laughs> same time. You're so prepared. And, and that's a good way to be. Time. But yeah. So that's what you're talking about, the Pandora's box, the experimental drug uh, phase where it was kind of like okay to try new things. And then so yeah, that was actually, um, for those who believe that the crack epidemic and drugs, those kind of drugs, heroin and things of the sort were introduced to certain communities. Those who, be, who, for, who believe that, do you think that was an opening time, like that time of experiment um, or experimental drugs, that was like an inning that, you yeah, know, the government pre- may have it had. It was a prelude to a kiss, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. that's what yeah. I was trying to ask you, if, yeah, that's what, if you believe that. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it was a little excessive. But... Definitely... I don't know the 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 80s and the 90s were, were just you know it was they, live for yourself live to, for the moment make all the money I'm the only thing that matters and people see what are you trying to say what and is then, it? you know we're also and this is deviating a little we a were, lot but go well, ahead you know, we're a sexually <laughs> repressed country that is true we're very you know we're very repressed sexually so. The 80s made everybody crazy. Even the 70s did too, mm-hmm. you know, because we've been so sexually. I mean, you can't even have honest dialogue yeah. with people about sex and the, the, the good side, the bad side, mm-hmm. being the middle side, you know. So how are you going to, you know, what's that child's name? Bristol Who? Pale. And remember when, when uh, she got Pale, pregnant, right? And remember, they tried to make her the poster child for. um. What was it? Abstinence. Yes. You know, and she, um... But that makes no sense. Because... Well, to them it, but to them it makes sense. And we... See, because... If anything... You know, you can't go around and preach, you know, oh, when 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 they... Okay. When they interviewed her years later mm-hmm. and asked her about, you know, well, did your mother ever talk to you about sex? And this kind of sums up the way we grew up. No, my mother never talked to me about it. I was just expected not to do it. Really? Yeah, I mean, think about that's it. that's true. Mm-hmm. Procreation... Yes. And that's all sex is, is procreation, mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit of fun added into it, you know, because <laughs> you know, it's, you know, applied correctly, it's way too much fun. Oh, Lord. It's way too much fun. If other people, I, that's just, way you know, too much information. Nana. Oh, excuse me. Everybody's grown. Everybody's grown. You're so, right. You know. Okay. And then for other people, it's just hit or misses and really bad mistakes. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know the joy mm-hmm. of participating and making love mm-hmm. then how do you have a really good sexual experience yeah if you're doing it for money you know then get that money yeah then you got to do well mm-hmm. you know maybe and that's maybe from the generation that i come in you yeah know, you just you, you do it because it was fun mm-hmm. you know and don't <laughs> do it with quite so many people i just don't understand so being, you think now nowadays is a culture of Quantity versus quality. Leah, you should not be 19 years old and have slept with 19 men. I'm sorry. Listen. <laughs> no, what? I mean, you have to be careful. Well, God forbid, you slept with 19 in one night. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, you, you got to be know, careful. You know, you, you just, and then, well, if, do you, if that's what you do, own it. You know, I mean, you a hoe, own it, be one, <laughs> be a good one. You know, because, you know, everybody loves to take but for so many people, it just leaves them so void and blank. Yes. You can see it in their faces. Like, people really don't believe that your eyes are a mirror to your soul. Mm-hmm. And what are you looking for? Yes. What are you looking for? And sometimes you just have to stop 
and take inventory. Like, what the heck am I doing? What have I been doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, waking up and not really remembering what happened. Well, what kind of fun was that? What life are you leading? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to participate in the process? I mean, I could be wrong. You know, but yeah, it's not supposed to be something you forget. Mm -hmm. So, so people coming back to wanting relationships and being whole and understand that it takes two of you to raise children. Yeah, and it took a long time to get to that point because it was kind of always mother's job. And it, it, it oh yeah, I, because Nana, I wanted to say I don't know when people have really understood that it would take two people to raise a, a child. I don't know I don't because know. when you were growing up, I would say that ladies were expected to take, excuse me, expected to take a hand speak. They were, um, it was their job to. But you my experience was different. Because remember I told you... That's true. Your, your experience was different. Very different. Because when mommy decided to go back and get her degree, I was in second grade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that meant mommy She got stopped. some backlash from that, didn't she? Oh, yeah. People thought that, you know, oh, why? You know, because you have a husband so who works and that... you were a nurse. And then, and then, yeah. And daddy jumped right in. You know, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I don't like oatmeal today is because my father used to fix oatmeal that you turn the pan upside down and it wouldn't move. Yeah, well, he and was doing his best. <laughs> he used to do our hair. And wow, our that's love. Crooked, you know. It's like, but he jumped right in mm-hmm. and did what he had to do. And mommy graduated, you know, when I was in sixth grade because I took her degree to school with me. And her, you know, her mm-hmm. first teaching assignment was where I wanted to go to junior high school, and oh, I wow. got shipped off to Catholic school. I was devastated. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to roll with my crew. You know, we was all going busting shoemaker together. I know. But not, change going, your plans. Yvonne thought you're, otherwise. You're, you're not. You're going to St. Gregory's and then you're going to West Catholic. And, uh, and, okay, so whatever. Uh, anyway, well, but you, just, you know, and everybody, the village really did raise the children. Because see, our parents, mm-hmm. and I wasn't a child that got beat senseless and all that. And I got my fair share of whippings, you mm-hmm. know, because... As I got older, I could be a little bit of a handful. Not as much as some people, no mm-hmm. more than others, you know. But mm-hmm. the village did take care of you. Okay. See, because the last That's... thing you ever wanted as a child mm-hmm. was for somebody from outside your home to see you doing something and then get back to your parents, particularly your mother, because you didn't want that conversation. No, ma'am. You did not want, oh, no, you didn't. Now, that, I hate to cut you off, Nana, but you won't let me get a word in. So, I got to cut you off. That right there, what you just said, um, that is different now. You know, the disrespect aspect. And I don't want to get too far in that because I really did want to talk to you about another topic before we go. Well, come on. You can talk about that one. We'll talk about something. Okay. So, but the dynamic, excuse me, is different. Basically, children don't, that village aspect is not there, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, anymore. No. But I want to talk a little bit about um, the social climate and how it is similar to when you were coming up as far as social injustice and then also some of the differences and hopefully progresses that we've made as a people in general um, for social injustice. And what I want to use as an example is today one of the more recent uh, instances of just blatant injustice and disrespect toward brown people. When um, the young, the two young men were arrested in Starbucks in Philadelphia for no reason, um, they were waiting for a friend inside the Starbucks and were arrested because they hadn't ordered anything. Now, mind you, people do this in Starbucks all the time without any complication who are not brown. But because these two brown young men did it, it was an issue 
the city and um, people worldwide have really took a stand against Starbucks and shown that that kind of injustice just won't be tolerated and that it's not acceptable. However, on the other hand, I don't think we made enough progress to where it's still happening. You know what I mean? What do you think, Nana? And how can, like, how does that um, differ and how is it similar to when you were coming up? Oh, it's, you know, SSDD, same stuff, different day. Yeah. I love social media and that things can be global, even though you have yeah. to watch out for fake news. But I was... <laughs> fake news. Yeah, fake news, you know. Well, you know, that's the reason that I, don't fool, to, but... I don't go to Barnes & Noble anymore because of the, the young black man, they put, this was a couple of years ago, put mm-hmm. out of Barnes & Noble because he was sitting in Barnes & Noble. Get out of here. I used to go to Borders and sit for hours with my mother oh, and my, my brother. Oh, my goodness, and yes. And read and maybe get a latte. So I was we ne- Nana, I remember you when remember you took me to Borders. We yeah. never bought a book, you but know, we sat in there. We would read. We would laugh. The children's section. Mm-hmm. You know, have a good time. That's fun stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um... I guess because we, we were pestered. When we were little and the library mm-hmm. was someplace to go, you know. But anyway, with the issue with Starbucks, um, everybody definitely boycotted Starbucks. And I don't particularly think that this was the policy. Mm-hmm. Even though I understand that as a business owner, you have the right to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's like I have the right to boycott you if I see injustice. Okay. You know, I think the manager made a very bad call. And I hate to see anybody lose their job, but. Maybe they need to send her to somewhere where it's a bunch of white folks, and then she won't have to worry about, you know, particularly looking at us but not all I, the time. But and you know what's crazy? The, the, that does, that place doesn't exist. We're everywhere. And we are everywhere, but I guess white folks didn't get the memo. Or but, some people didn't. Some people didn't get the memo. But go ahead. It wouldn't have happened to white patrons. Absolutely It wouldn't not. have happened. No. And um, <clears throat> I know people may think this sounds harsh, but I'm very, very tired of this psychosis with white folks mm-hmm. when it comes to brown folks and particularly black men. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of it. Like, I'm very, very tired of it. Mm-hmm. I'm very frustrated with it. And you need to get over it. You know, this, oh, the lurking, lingering Negro that's coming to devour you. Like, sit mm-hmm. the hell down. Mm-hmm. Sit your dumb ass down somewhere. I'm tired of it. The little boy that got shot the other day. Mm. Um, And that's a two-sided story because the flip side of that is you... I don't want to call them house Negroes. Mm-hmm. But you know those Negroes who think, it's going to be okay. You better teach your children. Yeah. And stop playing these games like, everything's going to be okay. We still are coming. We're now, what, what, the what, who are you talking do. about that got shot? A little boy was, I had to find the story. He was going some. he got lost. Uh-huh. And he went and rang this woman's bell. And she saw him and yell something okay, about... Okay, that's you, who you're talking yeah, about. I story. thought you were talking about the young man who was killed in his own yard and was shot 12 times. We, we, we can't even speak to that conversation. Okay. I'll start, I had to start crying. No, ma'am, I won't have you do that. Not on my show. Yeah. yeah, but no, you know, it, it's, it's just... People say, you know, oh, I don't have to have these conversations with you. You know, I had to have this conversation with Gunner. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, at 10 years old... No, I think he was 9. At 9 years old, have to tell my grandson what to do if he encounters a police officer and then keep to myself because I don't want to terrify him that, you know, not I it just praise It may not that, even matter. Yeah, that <laughs> not I just praise that this doesn't go south and these people don't kill you because, number one, they're never going to be convicted. No. They're always going to be assigned to desk duty. They're going to retire with full pension. And I 
wonder do they even lose any sleep about this? Because you know, Lee, I tell you all the time, they have to have a shooter Negro fund. And that's not the word I use, but I'm going to mm-hmm. use it because we're on the podcast, you know. <laughs> they have to have some discretionary funds somewhere yeah. for shooting Negroes or people of color because you always seem to come up with the money. Of course. The police department, short staff, firefighters, Leah. Firefighters. How can firefighters not have enough equipment to do oh, what we run goodness. away from? Because I'm not running in a burning building. I mean, you know, I come get you. I might die now on one first, but you know. That, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> heck, I don't understand. But you but you will pay $2 million, $10 million, mm-hmm. $50,000, $75,000. Cities, you know, in a budget crisis and everything. But you will find some shooter Negro money somewhere because you haven't stopped shooting them. Nobody's ever said, you know. I guess to the the police department collectively, you know, we have to start shooting these, stop shooting these people because this is getting expensive. Yeah, I don't think they've had that talk yet, and if they had, a they lot keep, of people were missing because still happening. It, you know, and people want you know they always well you know this black on black crime. What is white on white crime? You, you know what? Not a, that infuriates me because we consider we say black on black crime, but. Quote unquote white on white crime is the largest crime margin there is. Why? Because brown people are a minority. But you will have well, it seen. Country. Yes. We're talking about in this country. In this country, they are. We're a minority in this country. Thank you for making that um, you know, clarification. Yeah. Because it's absolutely right. But the statistics will have you believe that all we do is kill each other. When well, one statistic, you know, on that note. They have you believe that it's more black men, young black men mm-hmm. in prison than it is in college post secondary mm-hmm. education. That's not true. No, it is not. That's not true. And there are a lot of really, really positive children out here who are conscious and doing their thing and helping mm-hmm. with the families and helping with their communities, but oh no, it's just not enough. That's the case. Now, when you were coming up though. Do you think that there were larger numbers of, you know, positive youth? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, and that's not to say that there aren't. Well, one thing, you did things collectively growing up and. Now, what do you mean? Well. I know what collective means, but when you say did things, are you talking about movements? Are you just talking about like activities? I'm talking about communities. Okay. I'm talking about communities. Like we had civic pride. You took pride in where you lived. Okay. And you know, that's one thing about you, you know, millennials and, and some folks in the hood. I hate to say in the hood. Mm-hmm. In general, it annoys me because our neighborhoods are filthy. And yeah. That's that's... Nobody's fault but it's not We can't blame illegal. anyone. No, Mm-mm. it's not illegal dumping and all that. It's because you're trifling behind. We'd rather have $900 hair and Christian Louboutins and step up with five tons of trash coming out your nasty house you haven't cleaned. And your nasty house that you haven't cleaned is your business. Mm-hmm. But. Don't you want to feel good about where you live? No, I don't think so. Because if yeah, that's the case, not. people would do it. Leah, when I go down 52nd Street now, I want to cry. Yeah. It's depressing. 52nd and Market in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's so sad because in 10 years, you're not going to know it. Because I used to say Starbucks was coming, but now something else would be La Coloma. And it may be Starbucks because, you know. Well, it surely won't be anyone in there because of the, well, we, from we, the consensus. Let's hope not. Yeah, from the consensus of people I've talked to, they're just about done. But then give it a week and something else will happen and then people will be back getting their lattes. Yeah, because it's always, it's always, um, oh, 
before we go, because I feel us going everywhere, and I love talking to you so much. We could do this forever, but I we know. do have to say goodbye to our listeners at some point. Yeah, they do, because they don't know me. You know, they don't know me like you do, and I don't care. Oh, <laughs> but not, uh, they, I'm sure they'll love you by the time oh, they you know, listen to you. You know, because they're, they're, they're wonderful. You really, really are. I don't understand why people don't love young people. And I get it, because some of them are disrespectful, mm-hmm. but they're also, you have to remember when you were young. Yeah. And I never forget that. You know, with my old bones and everything, because it's so much fun. Being young. Ooh, really, like it's the most fun you can have that's legal. You know, oh my it's, goodness. It's fun. It's just a lot of fun. And it gives you memories that'll hold you forever. You I want to say something on that. And all that stuff and being stupid and doing stupid and doing stuff. And doing stupid you know? stuff. And it's so free. But I think that now, um, it's harder for young people. Being the young person myself, it's so much pressure on us. Oh, it really That really. I'm, I feel like it, it really might really. not have been on you all. It, oh, granted, there were different pressures on you. But well, it I mean, seems like... always the, the pressure of dealing with the injustices of the world. That's that is... Universal. That's what I mean by different pressures. But they may the have pressure been, you all mm-hmm. have now, um, post-secondary education... Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's out of you, it's, it's hardly time to have fun when there's people always telling you, you know, and not that you shouldn't further your education or that you shouldn't expand on your talents and passions. However, it's not too many people encouraging youth to enjoy themselves and get to know themselves so that they can become better adults and well-rounded adults when they do reach that, you know, age or status, I think it's so much pressure now. Make something of yourself. Make something of yourself. And I don't think that's changed that much. No? It has it always been that way? It was worse when we were young. Really? Yeah, because you were, I mean, I think about. I guess, yeah, I've only been here 23 years. (laughs) You were expected to go off, get married, marry a doctor, a lawyer, and then chief do something, Mm -hmm. have children, and then, and then, and then. Now, arguably through the 70s, that changed, Mm -hmm. and. You know, there was the women movement. You know, I'm not a feminist. Don't agree with that movement at all. Why but don't you agree with it? Because what's the first thing you see when you look at me? I see a black woman. Thank, what's the first <laughs> word you What was that word you said first? Black Thank brown. You. Okay, Thank so you. That, too, that was in the feminism. Because mm-hmm. you know, that's what you see first. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're not going to play this game here. I just wanted it. my listeners to get an insight on the good wisdom I get when I'm home. Because a lot of the things you've been saying are things you've always said to see, me. See, that's why, you know, white women... They annoy me to a point. Some white women. Some we can't exclude women, our, our um, vanilla this, sisters. You, but see. <laughs> you said, uh, whatever. I'm, look, speaking. I'm trying to be the nice, you know, podcast host. No, you don't have to I'm be nice. Channel, You're my guest. No, but I'm I can't offend channel people. my inner Yvonne. Okay, I'm going to do like Well, I'm at the end of the interview, that would be nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to yeah, take the high road. But no, because, you know, these white women, because, you know, they're terrified of black men. They mm-hmm. love them, but they hate them because, you know. They want to perpetuate the myth that the Negro man is coming to ravage your little mm-hmm. underweight white body. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, these are the white women that white men don't like. Mm-hmm. They don't like white women. No, of course Because if they like white women, they wouldn't have had to fight for the right to vote. But these are the white women that you have murdered Negroes for for hundreds of years for thinking about them, looking at them. Mm-hmm. You thought I looked at you. I thought he looked at you. So, but, you know, as soon as white women wanted to be something other than little white women who sat around and looked cute, oh, you wanted to have a thought? Hmm. They launched a movement yeah. to destroy you, so came the suffragette And movement. that is and where fight. the white feminists came from. White women had to fight for the right to vote. So, you know. Ain't that a doozy? And mm-hmm. I know people aren't going to want to really hear this, you know. But everybody except 
the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male mm-hmm. has been some form of nigger. Yeah. You know, some form in some way. You know, you know. I talked to you about the ladder of is. Of course. You know, um, genderism, sexism, feminist isms, and mm-hmm. where we black folks, we not we're not even you know we're not on the ladder. What I mm-hmm. tell you all the time, we're what you step on when you want to jump off the ladder of isms. Yes. You jump on us. And then you want us to get over it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you all can barely get over um, not losing 10 pounds on your Jenny Craig diet. And so that feminist movement wasn't even geared toward... This is what I'm getting from you. It wasn't geared for brown ladies. Not for me. Now, there are a lot of black feminists. It wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't for this whole... I'm all for being independent. Yeah. To me, black women have always been independent because we've had no other choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we've watched you decimate our communities mm-hmm. emasculate our men so yeah we had to hold it down okay big deal but um mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't speak to me and not okay. at the sacrifice of our brothers uh, you know thank no. you very much no i yeah. like that because um that's not something touched on a lot in that feminist movement um there are a lot there's a lot of opportunity for male bashing and brown male in particular so uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to get your input on it. We don't have to go too far in depth yeah, with it no. um, because yeah, I think you kids, you kids, that sounds so silly. But you I sound do, old. I'm not, not saying that. I know, I do. <laughs> but I you're do. not though. That's but so crazy. I just I like young people. I like mm-hmm. people, but young people because they have I like different perspectives. All right, so all right, you're starting to name things. Before you go, give me three things, the three top things that you love about millennials. I think you're the least prejudiced. Okay. I really do. You really are the generation of live and let live. And yeah. I really, really like that. You've come to understand that people are people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and some of that may be millennial parents, too. Um, you don't label people. You make mm-hmm. room for everybody. Yeah, we try. And I do, well, at I least really I try. Do like mm-hmm. that. Because growing up, we grew up in a very structured... You know, like, you all are even moving away from the word retarded. Yes. You know, and understanding everybody has special needs. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a help, a hand, or whatever. And that retarded applies to this particular um, president. Retar- <laughs> no, because retarded means incapable of growth. When you retard something, you stop it. It's true. And that's, you know, so this administration is retarded. Okay, so you love our openness yeah. and our willingness to accept. One more thing before we go. Um, Unless that's all, that's it. <laughs> no, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be about millennials, but, um, this time period. I one thing can I say your last you thing? All, oh, go ahead. Get, you all love and not that we didn't. You love the opportunity to be global. Okay. And I loved it. And does that really, have to do anything with technology? Yes. Okay. A lot to do with it. But you you know, you really understand the necessity if you can mm-hmm. of going out and seeing the world. Have it. Nice. It's a whole planet, you know, and it's full of people. And it's huge. Go see something different. Do something different. Just go. Yeah. Go. And that is that you is know. you know source of adventure or thirst for adventure is definitely something I think we carry with us as millennials. A lot of us, I should say. And um, it is pretty inspiring for yeah. all ages. And the last thing is, what is it? We got we got a couple seconds left. You all go make that money. And I'm not mad at you. 
We're about that life. We're yeah. ambitious. As long as you understand, money's not everything. And that's your advice. Mm-hmm. Understand that money is not everything. Thank you so much, Nana, for this. Um, I appreciate you giving me this hour of your time to talk with me. Um, what do you think about these topics and giving me wisdom to carry with me and our listeners forevermore? Um, thank you so much for tuning in to Let's Talk, everybody. This is Amina Bell. Check me out on my website, aminabell.com, if you want to know more about me. And once again, thank you for listening. We're going to say peace out. So peace out. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs>